2, verses 14 through 26. Again, that's James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. I'll give you guys a minute to open it. All right. This is what the word says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and is and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but has nothing about their physical needs, what good is this? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that your faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made, by, was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about boats is they're meant to be used. They're meant to be used. Amen? Anybody has boats, they, they know they're meant to be used. And, uh, you know, Camp actually owns two aluminum boats. Um, actually, might mo- own more than that, but two aluminum boats that float. And, uh, and uh, so this year, you know, they, um, I was talking to Dustin about it, and he told me that uh, we had a, uh, what am I talking about? That we had electric motors for them. And, uh, but no battery for the electric motor. So I said, okay, let's, um, let's see if we can't fix this. Put oars in it so people can use it, right? Otherwise, it just sits on the shore. It's useless. A boat, a boat on the shore is useless. Might as well be a rock. So, um, so I, port- I purchased First, I have to test it out. Test it out. And uh, did you know that if you only have one oar in the davit and try to row, you go in a complete circle? When the ore falls out, you just kind of go in a circle. So it doesn't really but you need both um, ores to go. And when I was thinking about how do I put this together today, we're talking about faith and works, I just thought, rowing a boat, right? Rowing oars. And uh, so I, I called Jenny and I said, hey, we have those two oars that we were going to put uh, Perrine family on. We're supposed to say Perrine family like this. But she actually uh, made me this. What a good wife. Faith and works, right? You need faith and you need works. And they work together. Because if they don't work together, you row in a circle. Main idea. That's where we're going. Um, So we'll be talking about that this morning. You know, if you claim to have faith but no works, uh, meaning it doesn't show in your life, then you're going to go around a circle. Remember, again, the other part remember today and every time as we're looking through James is remember James is written for us, the church. Right? So many times when we read scripture, I don't know about you, but uh, many times in my life I've read scripture and I, was th- I always think of somebody else. 
Ever do that before? Oh, man, this person needs that sister. Right? What God's saying, what are you talking about? I'm talking to you. That's what James is doing here. It's not meant for that guy over there. No, he's speaking to us. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. Faith is the key doctrine of the spiritual, of our spiritual life. Um, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that's what it tells us. Uh, we who claim to be followers of Christ, we have to live in faith. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 will tell you. Hebrews 11, 6 actually says, um, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You ever think about that? Um, say, oh, I believe in God, but there's no faith there. Then are you really believing in God? I'm just going to put these out here just so I don't uh, and you can focus on those because the Salvation Army crest is important, but uh, not as important as this this morning. So, Colonel O'Brien would be falling over right now if he saw that. Now, I've read before in relation to faith, it's not believing without evidence, right? It's not just that. It's obeying the Lord no matter the consequences. And this week, when I was looking at this, I reread uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, which I'm going to talk about a couple of different times. And I'll tell you, What's interesting about that is the very end of chapter 11. Because people die. People are like faithful up until the end, and they don't even get to see what they're being faithful for. Can you imagine that? Someone said, just do this, and then you're going to see this. And then you never see it. It never comes true in your lifetime. Hebrews 11 read of men and women who acted on the the word of God no matter the price. It was not uh, for some nebulous feeling. They did it in confidence that the word of God was true, and the inner conviction, acting in faith, would bring the blessing of God. So James breaks down how faith and action are related, and then gives us the reality of the two working together. Faith being one or, works being the other or. Apart from the other, it can do nothing. Together, the boat moves forward, like our good friend Popeye there. All right. First one, faith is faith that is dead. Isn't that interesting? Faith that is dead. Use a nice tombstone for that. First thing we look at. All right, before we get there, you know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and I've used this verse a lot. This is a scary verse of the Bible. There are a lot of scary verses of the Bible. This is definitely a scary verse of the Bible. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only uh, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Isn't that crazy? People could be saying, Lord, Lord, oh, uh, Jesus, raise my hands. I'm a super spiritual man. And, uh, but your life is devoid of the actual faith. You're not living in faith. It's just you're, you know the right things to say. And so what does Jesus say? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine going through all the hassle of, of living the faith out for somebody else, and, but your heart's not in it, and you totally miss out on what's before you. Notice here, the person with dead faith might know the right things to say and to do, but their hearts are far from the Lord. Their walk doesn't reflect their words. All talk, no action. So James says this in chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? I suppose he would have said today he rose in a circle. 
can such faith save him? Suppose, and then he breaks it down for us. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Man, I'll tell you right now, how many times, and I, you know, I am guilty, by the way. What I'm about to say, I am 100% guilty. I might be the chief sinner of all of you. But how many times has somebody come up to you and talked to you about something going on in their life, and you said, hey, I'll pray with you. And then you both part. You know what you should have done? Pray. I mean, how long does it take to pray? Hey, let's just pray right now, brother. Let's just pray right now, sister. Let's just get it out. All talk with no action. The person with dead faith uh, noticed that the person needed help. They acknowledge, hey, you need help. Go in peace. Hey, I notice you need prayer. Good for you. I'll pray for you. You know, it's interesting um, that the visitor left just as naked and hungry as when they came in. Can you imagine that? The person came in, person was recognized, oh, hey, we're the church. We're supposed to be uh, the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus Christ, and you, you're naked, and we did nothing for you, and you left the same way. You know, it's interesting, James uses the idea of food and clothing, the basic need of everyone. Simple to understand. As believers, we're called to take our faith out into this world to be the literal hands and feet and voice of Christ. That's what we're called to do. Not to warm a pew. Well, we don't have pews. But not to warm a chair. And praise the Lord, we don't have pews. That's not what we're called to do. We're supposed to go out there and do it. John states in uh, 1 John 3, 17 and 18, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You know, again, I want you to realize James here and John, he's, what they're talking to is the church, number one. Then the world. We need to be dealing with our friends and family in the church. Then the world. Take care of our own house. Then the world. Jesus in the parable of the Good Samaritan uses, uh, when I wrote this, I, I thought it was kind of like a joke. Jesus uses uh, a Pharisee, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Right? Doesn't that sound the beginning of a joke? So a Pharisee, a Levite, and a Samaritan are walking down the road. But you know, in that, the Levite and the, and the Pharisee both had religious training. Isn't that interesting? They both had the training of what to do. They both had the training of what was in God's word. Both had the training. And you know what they both did? They both ignored the guy in need. It was the Samaritan, the outsider, the guy that both of those other two would have hated who actually provided the help in the story of the Good Samaritan. James here asked the question to us, the church, those who claim to know Christ, can such a faith save him? Meaning, can faith that is not lived out in a practical way uh, save you? And the answer is no. It's the whole idea that I, that I have faith, but I'm not living that faith. You'd be claiming Christ with your hearts, but your hearts would be far from him. A claim of faith must re be reflected in a life that is living that faith in Christ and shows in the outward actions of everyday life. Um, there have been lots of zombie movies. Has anybody never seen a zombie movie in their life? Never. I mean, never seen a zombie movie. Okay, Jay, we're going we're gonna to have you watch one. Uh, well, two. We're going to have a movie marathon with three people right here. 
You know, the thing about zombies is, and by the way, there's the whole lore with zombies that I don't get. But anyway, the thing about zombies is, what do they do? They walk around, right? And what do they want? They want brains. Brains! Anyway, kind of a gross thing. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes people with it, uh, are Christians can be zombies, right? They, they know what they're supposed to be saying, but they have no intelligent action. In zombie movies, zombies always do dumb things, right? There's a chain link fence. Oh, can't get through, but they can eat your brain. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Christians can know all the right things to do and completely miss out on salvation because they're not living a life full of faith. You know, three times in this book, we're warned that faith without works is dead. You know, if you have a real encounter with Christ, it changes your life, completely changes your life. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, and I've said this story tons of times, I came home, I was so excited, man, I just wanted to win my family to Christ. My family had thought I had lost my mind. I had gone completely crazy. It changes your life. 1 John 5, 12, he who has a son of life has life. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Jesus changes you. He changes your life. He opens your eyes to other people. He opens your eyes to other people, to help others, to love others. Dead faith lulls you into counterfeit faith where, you, where we believe that I can say, Lord, Lord, and I just get into heaven by myself calls us to be active. So it's not just enough to say, I claim you, Jesus. You need to grow in your faith. It should change your heart, change your mind, change your soul. It changes everything about you. Second one is faith that is uh, demonic. The whole idea, so great, you can have faith but no works, that's dead. What about faith that's demonic? I have works. I have works. Um, James chapter 2, verse 18. But some of you will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Just in case you didn't know, demons actually exist. I think sometimes we believe in the church is that because I don't, I'm not seeing them, they, they're not running around with a pitchfork. You know, that's what we want to see, the pitchfork demons. They, they still exist. They're Satan's fallen angels. And they're working to take you out if you're a believer. They want to take you out. They want you to compromise. You know, Jesus cast out demons and he gave his disciples the ability to do the same. Paul confronts demonic forces in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 20. And how does he tell us? To put on the full armor of God. To protect ourselves. And... This is the part sometimes we believers, we forget. And to wage war. You know, he didn't just say put on the full armor of God. That's it. Leave the sword somewhere else. Pick up the sword, right? You're at war. Defend yourself. So James tells us that demons have faith and also believe in the deity of Christ. In uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 13, Jesus casts out the demons and they enter the pigs and they run off the cliff and, and uh, destroy themselves. Just another example of what they do. They want to see your, your life destroyed. James notes that when a person points to their deeds showing their, good, their goodness, it's meaningless. And I have to tell you, it, in, as being a Salvation Army officer, I run into tons of people 
who do amazing things for other people. Amazing things. They, uh, they work with the homeless. They work with young kids. They work with old people. They, they work with people that are almost old, like myself. They just, amazing stuff. Uh, but they do it for a different motivation. They do it because, and if you talk to them, they do it because it's something about themselves. They feel like, I get something out of this, right? I get to see somebody's life go forward. I'm getting something in return. Where for a believer, I, I don't get what, you know, I don't need you to, uh, I say, praise the Lord, when somebody moves forward, praise the Lord, but I don't need that. I do it for Christ. He's the one that works the work. My job is to be there, be the hands and feet to help along, but if life has changed, praise the Lord, it's because the Holy Spirit got in that person's life and is moving them forward. And I just say, whoo, look at the Lord's work. Isn't that crazy? Look at him go. You go, God. Look at that. Works are not separate from faith. If we could rely on works to get us into heaven, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need Jesus. Sometimes we think that, uh, you know, we'll get to heaven because I had good karma. I rubbed Buddha. No. Notice the theme of James here. Christianity is a growing process. It's meant to be lived out in faith. James says, I will show you my faith by what? My works. By my works, I'm doing something. Showing that it's not lip service, it's actually lived out. To just think it's about works is to be rolling with one oar. Being a Christian means trusting Jesus even when life is not clear. And I just point us back to Hebrews chapter 11. Sometimes life is ugly. Sometimes, you know, we live in a, man, I tell you, I don't remember who told me this, but I think about it a lot, about the whole idea of growing up in the United States. We've won the lottery. We won the lottery. I mean, if you compare our life that we live here, the freedoms that we have here, the fact that just life around us, that I can go to the grocery store and I can buy something, I'm, I'm never without uh, food or or uh, clothing. And yet other people around the world don't have that. If they came to the United States, they just thought they won the lottery. We are so fortunate. So fortunate. I think about um, people living around the world and with their faith and I think China or other places where just sharing God's word can get you arrested. Trusting in Jesus even when life is not clear. Trusting in Jesus even when things are dangerous to do so. Unpopular and dangerous. You see, faith and works have to go together. Being faithful to the Lord even if you can't see the outcome ahead of you. Even if you can't see the outcome ahead of you. Which leads to our third idea which faith is dynamic faith that's dynamic you know um it's putting the two together it's holy spirit power life is not about me it's not about you it's about jesus you're both using both oars to move forward into the storm into the storm you know uh how many of us wish sometimes when you're dealing with something you wish god would just illuminate the way right you can see off in the horizon, okay, you're supposed to do this, this, and this next, and this, this, and this, and it's just a straight path, and you're like, praise the Lord, I can totally see where I'm going, and thank you, Jesus. You know, when I was younger, I prayed for that all the time. 
Now I just want to know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. Because if he'd have told me 20 plus years ago, 30 years ago, doing this and this is the path and this is what's going to happen and this is going to happen to you and this is going to happen to you and this is going to happen to you but this is going to be a good outcome that's going to be a good outcome this is going to be a total disaster i'd have been so scared out of my mind i'd have never taken that first step i just want him to show me what am i supposed to do today what am i supposed to do today i want to follow you in faith i may not be able to see the path ahead of me it may be a storm in front of me but it might dissipate a few minutes later. You know, when you're uh, sailing, one of the scariest things to see is this is actually a front roll in. And uh, we really don't see that in the same way here as you do on the water. But on the water, you see a front come in, and it looks like a giant uh, eyebrow. Think of a huge unibrow coming at you. And the wind prior to the unibrow attacking you is, um, is fairly calm. But when that, when that front actually hits you, the winds are super strong and dangerous. But after the front goes by, depending on what's coming at you, it can get really calm again. Sometimes you just got to get past that. You can't focus on what's coming. You just got to focus on the idea that he's with you. He's with us in that storm. He's with us when the storm hits. He's with us on the other side of the storm. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. James chapter 1, uh, verse 21 tells us how to do that. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message heard through the word of Christ. So growing in faith is two things here. Getting rid of the world, the stuff that drags us down, and living a life of faith fully committed to Christ. We hear the truth, we read the truth, our heart desires the truth, and then we act on the truth. I think this is an important thing to remember, and this is one of the lines I use when I, I do uh, premarital counseling. And I say this, but it's true about faith, too. I always tell people, marriage is not a pair of pants that you put on for a few minutes and then you take off and forget about. Christianity is not a pair of pants you put on Sunday and then you take off on Sunday afternoon and forget about. It's a daily walk with Christ. We fill our minds with the words of God, we take the words of God, we act on the words of God, and we live it out. And we live it out. God speaks and we follow in obedience. In James chapter 2, verse 20 to 26, it says this. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled when it said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's, God's friend. You see that person was justified by what he does by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Isn't it interesting, the two people that are, that are compared here, that are said? What, are the, what do they have in common? One was a friend of God, one was a faithful follower of God, one was a prostitute. Who's actually listed in the genealogy of Christ. 
Check this out. James illustrates how faith and work is, is played out. Um, Abraham, a member, a godly man. Rahab, a harlot and sinner. Abraham, a friend of God. Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. Common thread, faith. And action. Faith and action. Dynamic faith is lived out. Titus 1.16 says this, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. Dangerous. We claim to know God, we need to live that way. In everything. And don't get confused here, because sometimes people get confused and say, Oh, uh, in order to have works, I need to be helping a lot of people. Not the main point. Main point is, I claim to know God, my life should reflect that. More important. James here is demonstrating that faith is first obedience to God, but then it's lived out in action. We are not called to the dogma of the church or the Salvation Army or gossip or focus on laws and rules and not tradition. We're called to examine our lives daily in light of Scripture and pray for the Lord's will be done. Pray, I pray the Lord's will be done. Can we show our last slide? I love this. Uh, we got a guy rowing a boat. One side says faith, the other side says works. And uh, it says justification takes place when you get into the boat. Sanctification pla takes place on the trip. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I want to get a poster of that. Justification. We are justified by faith. Get in the boat. I believe in you, Lord. You're going to make this thing float. Faith and works working together. And sanctification takes place on the trip. And what does that mean? It means you're becoming holier and holier. Not, not like we can justify ourselves before the Lord, but he is changing our life, refining us. Refining us. So James is writing this for us to spur us on to remain faithful. We need to examine our faith. Examine our faith. Paul implores us in 2 Corinthians. He says this in chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether uh, you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize uh, Christ Jesus in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Becky didn't know he said that, did he? Examine yourselves whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? How many of you could row a boat from outside the boat? I can't. You've got to be in the boat. We claim Christ. He's got to be in us. He's got to be in us. And we're not called to a static Christianity. We're called to a growing, a vibrant, amazing Christianity. You know, one time I had a person said, uh, I was a captain back then, but he said, how could you be so positive all the time? Yeah, because I'm not in charge. Praise the Lord. I'm not in charge. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm going to trust in him, and if he wants it to go that way, it's going to go that way. If it doesn't go that way, praise the Lord, we'll figure something else out. I'm going to be faithful to him no matter what. My job is to be in the boat and row. His job is to direct me. And he's been faithful every time. What kind of faith really saves a person? It's faith that has works. It's faith that's seen in our lives. That's the kind of faith that saves a person. Because that faith is seen. That faith is proven. That faith is doing. 
saying, Lord, I do trust you. I do trust you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this uh, morning, Lord. Thank you for uh, your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for the Salvation Army, the ministry and mission of the Salvation Army, Lord, and the fact that uh, you've already placed so many people around us for us to live out our faith uh, with other people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, but, Lord, I do pray that um, we would take that whole message, the whole gospel, Lord, and just test ourselves daily to make sure that it is you leading us daily. It is you that we're following, Lord. And we're doing it not for some somebody else's pat on the back, Lord, but we're doing it for you, Lord Jesus, that we would serve an audience of one and only you. Lord, we desire you. We need you, Lord. Um, we don't always get it right, Lord, but we want to be faithful followers of you, Lord. We want to put together our faith and our works together, Lord, to glorify you. So only you are, is what glorifies you, not us. People would never remember an encounter with us They'd always remember it. They had an encounter with you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus and boldness that we cry out. Amen.